extinguish the belief of Father Kuhn and violate... On January 26, 2004, an international conference, Genocide of the New Era, was held in Stockholm, Sweden, to discuss the more covert and sinister crimes against humanity. I remember Zhang Ming said, the human rights situation today in China is better than ever before. During the 1990s, averagely 2,000 executions a year. Means every week, 50 people killed. This government made money from the execution prisoners' pockets. One of them right now in heaven, he confessed. He removed all the from the death of prison before execution. That recalled me in the ostrich camp. There's a group of the Nazi doctors using the human beings for guinea pig. The word genocide was coined in 1944 to describe the Nazi regime's actions of Jewish annihilation. In November 1945, an international military tribunal met at the Palace of Justice in Nuremberg, Germany to begin the trials of 24 men and six organizations for genocide and crimes against humanity. Among the Nazi defendants, Julius Streicher was convicted of fomenting the hatred of Jews that made the Holocaust possible. For these criminal actions, he was hanged even though he was not directly involved with the killings of six million Jews. One of the legal precedents established by the Nuremberg trials was that individuals would be held legally responsible for crimes against humanity in carrying out their government's policies. To plead innocence on the grounds of following orders was not a viable reason to dismiss accountability. The trials of 16 German judges of the Reich Ministry established the precedent that judges who enforce immoral laws are responsible for their actions and can be held liable. When the details of Nazi crimes were brought to light during the trials, the world was shocked by the extent of the torture, starvation, and mass killings. The words, never again, echoed around the globe. Since the time of the Nuremberg trials, several other dictators have been convicted of murder, genocide, and other crimes against humanity. In 1998, Augusto Pinochet, the president of Chile, was brought to court in London for the large-scale kidnappings, torture, and murder in his own country. The most striking feature of the Pinochet case was that the Spanish judge Balthazar Garzon had the authority to order Pinochet's arrest for crimes committed mostly in Chile and mostly against Chileans. Normally, jurisdiction over a crime depends on a link, usually territorial, between the prosecuting state and the crime itself. But the Madrid prosecutor, Carlos Castresana, said, in the case of crimes against humanity, that link may be found in the simple fact that we are all human beings. This authority derives from the rule of universal jurisdiction, the principle that every state has an interest in bringing to justice the perpetrators of particular crimes of international concern. In 1999, Slobodan Milosevic, 
former president of Yugoslavia, was tried in the International Criminal Court at The Hague in the Netherlands for the crimes of ethnic cleansing. He was charged with genocide and held responsible for 200,000 deaths and the exile of over 800,000 Albanians. Unfortunately, in the world's most populated country, China, the horror of state terrorism is much less recognized by the international community. China has 20% of the world's population, but it accounts for 42% of the world's suicide deaths and a horrendous 56% of the world's suicide deaths of women. Why? The answer could be found in the history of China's state terrorism. In the 50-some years of communist rule in China, over 80 million lives have perished due to non-natural causes. Several times when the Chinese dictators initiated a brutal persecution of their own civilians, they openly announced that only 5% of the people were targeted. This tactic brought out the very worst of human nature, clinging to the 95% side at any cost, often at the expense of friends, relatives, and even family members. Yet the targeted 5% were rotated so often that the whole nation was repressed into submission. This is exactly the result intended by the Chinese state terrorism, people acting against their own consciences. Through the many political movements in the past half century, the communist regime has sophisticated its use of state terrorism. Without reservation, the regime suppresses anything that uplifts people's consciences and courage which are regarded as a threat to the party's power. The long hit list also includes the Christian religion. Less familiar to the Western world is Falun Gong, which has no political agenda. It teaches people to practice truth, benevolence, forbearance, which promotes integrity, courage, and universal kindness. Therefore, Falun Gong is on Jiang's hit list, in July 1999, the Jiang Zemin regime began a relentless campaign of persecution against a group of innocent citizens, Falun Gong adherents. Yet many people, both inside and outside of China, remain unaware or do not acknowledge the severity and scope of this persecution. Jiang came into power during the 1989 Tiananmen Square student massacre. He now presides as the chairman of China's Central Military Commission. One official government report characterized the massacre as a glorious victory over counter-revolutionary turmoil. But hardly anyone in this city thinks there's much glory in shooting down unarmed civilians. On June 10, 1999, Jiang established a 610 office. It was specifically mandated to carry out the annihilation of Falun Gong, much like the Gestapo in Nazi Germany set out to do with the Jewish population. There is no limit to what the Jiang regime will do to convince people that Falun Gong is evil. The self-immolation incident that occurred on Tiananmen Square on January 23, 2001 is a perfect example of the government's incitement of hatred against Falun Gong. 
The state-controlled media used this incident to convince not only the people of China, but also the international community, that Falun Gong adherents would set themselves on fire. Careful slow-motion analysis of the official broadcast footage, however, proved that the event was actually staged by the government. The persecution of Falun Gong is not intended to physically kill a large number of people, but uses torture to force the victims to give up and reverse their most cherished beliefs. Torturing to the brink of death is routine for killings of this kind, the killing of one's conscience. Torturous force-feeding of hunger strikers by means of a semi-stiff plastic tube through the nose into the stomach causes excruciating pain and bleeding, or even death if the tube enters the lungs instead. Some were scalded. Some died from their bodies being ripped apart. Some were frozen to death. Some were cremated alive. For every single death known to the outside world, there may have been 10, 20, or 30 who died under the torture and hundreds who were transformed. The transformed people have to denounce Falun Gong and to thank the government for saving them. In most cases, they are forced to transform others. Falun Gong adherents are not the only victims of such state terrorism. The persecutors are also victims. Deceived by the hate propaganda, encouraged by promises of immunity and enticed by financial rewards, policemen carry out torture and killing of Falun Gong practitioners completely devoid of humanity. They are the willing victims of the regime's aggression against humanity. Eventually, they will have to pay for the horrendous crimes they have committed. It is no secret that the international community is also an unwitting victim of the persecution against Falun Gong. The regime's tactics are very direct. If you criticize my human rights record, I will not do business with you. This fear of losing out financially, especially during the recent global recession, has indeed silenced most Western countries. The fundamental principles upon which many Western nations were established are actually at risk. When then-President Jiang Zemin visited the United States in October 2002, he was served with legal papers charging him with genocide, torture, and crimes against humanity. However, the case was dismissed on the grounds that a former head of state has immunity, even for serious crimes such as torture and genocide. This is in strong contrast to the decision made by the Supreme Court of America in 1841. To uphold justice, Americans dared to risk their alliance with the mighty Spain in order to defend 38 strangers on board the schooner Amistad. In fact, the ruling flies in the face of the Convention on the Prevention and Punishment of the Crime of Genocide as well as the Convention Against Torture. All nations of the world have a responsibility to humanity and must stop such atrocities. As human beings, 
we must recognize that this event is beyond cultures and institutions. It is about universal principles of right and wrong. We must remember the lessons of history and maintain our vigilance. We cannot allow such evil to go on. In the historic words of Chief Justice Robert H. Jackson, the wrongs which we seek to condemn and punish have been so calculated, so malignant and so devastating that civilization cannot tolerate their being ignored because it cannot survive their being repeated. As of May 2004, there are at least 10 lawsuits ongoing in seven countries against high-level Chinese leaders for their roles in the persecution, torture, and murder of innocent Falun Gong adherents in China. History is being forged with these various lawsuits. When the veil of secrecy and lies is lifted and the truth of the persecution of Falun Gong in China is brought to light, the world will again be shocked, just as it was after the Holocaust. Justice will prevail. The spirit of the Nuremberg trials will live again when the persecution of Falun Gong ends.